0: Hi, this is uh, Chris von Habsburg. Um, this is my story about my son, who is now 23 years old. He was uh, abducted uh, by um, his Thai mother um, and is living in Thailand at the moment. I'm Dutch. Um, I'm now living in the UK, but uh, I miss him dearly. Um, and this is my story. You can be just like me. You're a oh, you have
1: to.
2: In this episode of Your Double Podcast, we are speaking to Chris, who is from the Netherlands, and he has an extensive legal experience, especially in nationality law. How we at FMP got connected to Chris is a pretty interesting story. Chris heard about the hunger strike that Vincent did through the news and decided to come forward with his own story and how his son was abducted to Thailand almost two decades back. He wrote a long blog post about his own experience with the abduction, the trauma that he felt and also the Hague Convention. What was special about the article is that he was able to break down how Japan can systematically adopt the Hague Convention. So we reached out to invite him to share his story with us and also share his knowledge about the Hague Convention with all our listeners. Now, before we get to the episode, I would like to inform all our listeners that Glenn Wood, someone we have had in this podcast before, is retrying his paternity harassment or Patahara case in the Tokyo High Court in September. So here's a quick rundown for those who have no idea about what happened with Glenn Wood.
1: So my name is Glenn Wood. I've been in Japan for about 30 years now. And I had a shocking experience that I wanted to share with you. It was uh, about five years ago now, and I got a call from the hospital that my son had been born prematurely and that it was life or death, and I needed to come right away and He had been born overseas, but uh you know this was this was late at night japan time and and I went into the office the next day and i um you know I was really trying to to do the Japanese. Uh, thing and you know i approached my boss and i i explained very politely what had happened and that i needed to go the doctors were calling me and it was life or death and i needed i needed to be there for my family and uh the the reaction i got however from my my bosses at mitsubishi ufj morgan stanley was was really shocking to me they basically dismissed it quite lightly and and said you know the the medical uh Field is very advanced these days, and I'm sure it'll be fine. So, just go back to your desk and get back to work. And that was that was the beginning of of a of a rather long story. As as I mentioned, this has been going on for five years now. But um, at the end of the day, when I when I returned to work, I my job was taken away from me, and and then eventually I was fired for doing what I think is just spending time with family, which which at the end of the day is 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 a human rights issue, I believe. And so I made the decision uh, to stand up for what I believe are parental rights, and I noticed this had been happening to other people in the company as well, and I really felt I needed to, to stand up and say that this is, um, this is just inappropriate behavior, and actually, under Japanese law, it's illegal behavior, and, and so here I am today.
2: If you would like to support him, you can go to findmyparent.com slash Glenn Wood, and that is- G-L-E-N-W-Dou-O-T for more details on his court case. It will be awesome if you are in Japan and you can attend his court case. It is happening on the September 10th from 2 p.m. in Tokyo High Court, courtroom number 822. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Um. So, um, I was a young
0: man when I uh, arrived in in. Thailand and I got a job offer there and after that job offer came another one and um, I settled uh, more or less in Thailand um, and in 1994 I met uh, met a, a Thai journalist, I was working as a journalist myself at the time and uh, we got engaged and married in, in 1997. Um, my son, our son was born uh, a year later in 1998. And at that time, I was uh, doing other work uh, and uh, everything was okay, Uh, but our marriage wasn't that great. And in um, 2000, uh, we decided to divorce. Uh, My son was two years old at the time. Um, My ex uh, wanted to focus on her career. And, um, she, uh, she gave me sole custody that, uh, that was really, she didn't really want to be a single mother and, um, she wanted to focus on a
3: career and
0: I didn't want to give up on my son. So I gladly accepted that. Um, so we agreed to our divorce, um, and as a single dad, and of course I did have help. Uh, you know, we had, uh, I had nanny uh, at times, a housekeeper who, uh, who watched my son when I was, uh, away for work and but I also did more work at home at that time and um, and I guess it was still new then but I was trying to be as little as possible in the office and uh, to spend time with my son as well um but it wasn't easy um and uh, my work started to change and, and circumstances forced me to uh uh to move back to the Netherlands uh, I'm Dutch originally so that's where I came from um and um at that time, it was, of course, uh, a, big, a big impact as we were moving countries. And uh, suddenly, uh, my son would be away from my wife, uh, uh, much further away than, than previously.
2: Yeah, Chris, uh, from what you're saying, I understand that she gave you the full child custody so that she can concentrate on her career. However, people who are listening might assume that you didn't give her a chance to be there for the son as a mom Although you have full custody can you explain that a bit deeper before we continue on with the story
0: So um so even while we were in um while I was still uh, working and living in in Thailand we uh, we organized we rented two apartments uh, very close by almost opposite opposite each other so that my uh my uh, ex-wife then would, would be close by um but because um because we then started to look at uh, what happened with uh, moving back to the Netherlands, uh, um, we uh, I offered my ex opportunities to 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 move with us uh, to join us uh, to the Netherlands, um, but uh, she declined that, and uh, she uh, she more or less uh, it was it was a bit surreal for me at the time, but she, because um, we had also a conversation where. She was uh, at the time for work in Hong Kong, and she uh, she said to me over the phone, she said, no, no, you go. If you need to go, you go, and uh, we'll, uh, I'll come and see him whenever I want to. Um, so um, that's, she didn't want to join me. I invited her later to, uh, to the Netherlands as well. She came over for a holiday and spent some time together with us and my son, and I again offered her... Um, opportunities to get residency in the netherlands uh, and um and she declined again and she went back uh to thailand um and so yeah the my life evolved at that time um i got another uh got another situation where i got to work in the us um and while i was in the us and this is uh um a few years later this was uh in, in 2003 um my uh, son was uh, suddenly taken away um, without my permission, uh, and uh, it was really a, a kidnapping. Um, it was very smartly done. Um, it got me into trouble, um, and um, there were other people involved with it as well, um, and I had to try to find them at the time. It was, it was. Um, it, I, I can't explain how difficult it was. Situation it was at the time, um, emotionally and um, everything that came with it. Um, but ultimately, I went back to the Netherlands um, and there I got assistance from uh, uh, Interpol, uh, the Dutch Interpol office, uh, who contacted uh, the Thai police. Um, and um, because by that time I already figured out what was, what I thought was happening, I had some idea. And uh, they were um, they were able to locate my son, um, and um, they, uh, they at the time, they said, okay, that's it, he's there, he's with his uh, his mother, and he is fine. Um, I, I almost knew that already, but it was at least a relief to know that he was fine. But how fine, you don't know, because you're, you're far away, you don't know. What they see, you don't know. What you know, they're not there twenty four seven to watch over him. So um, he was at the time only five years old. Um, it's it, so I, I was worried, and and even though I knew that she wouldn't do anything to him, uh, it was I was thinking about his emotional status, and state, and, and how he would
2: feel, and and the change suddenly to be taken back to. Sorry time. to interfere, but I just want to get some clarifications on some things that you mentioned before we move ahead. So you said that your wife gave you the full custody. That means that according to the law, you have the right to get back your child since you are the legal guardian for your child. How come the Dutch Interpol failed to bring him back to you? What exactly happened there?
0: So according to the Thai, um, so according to the Thai law at the time, and our divorce certificate and, and all the documentation, um, I, I had the sole custody of my son. Um so that that there was according to you know international law and Thai law, uh, I was the father and I uh, I was so custodian for my son. Um so so when um when we were looking at this and when I asked the police what could be done to get him back, uh, they referred me to the uh department at the, the Dutch Ministry of Justice, um and they were involved with um this, these kind of situations, they were very, um, you know, they were very nice but, and trying to be helpful. Um, they took all the details, they took all the documents that I had birth certificate, uh, the divorce papers, and everything else, a uh, copy of the passport um, and, and things like that. And they contacted the Time Ministry of uh, Justice uh, to request that my son would be returned. In accordance with uh, the international Treaty of the hague where uh, for the prevention of child abduction by a parent and to get the, the child to come back to to uh, to where he was normally resident um however um uh, after some some waiting and um uh, I was told that sorry it would not be possible the time the Ministry of Justice declined. they sent a letter back to the Dutch Ministry of Justice. And they said more or less said that um, they wouldn't be able to return my son because even though they signed the treaty, at the time they ha- didn't uh, have this, the, the tools implemented in local law to be able to return my son. So more or less they were saying local law was still uh, as previous, it wasn't updated. And um, according to that law, um, he was fine with his mother in in. Silent, and um, I wouldn't be able to uh, to get them back through this uh, treaty. Um, that was the situation at the time. Um, and then it became really difficult. Um, by this time, of course, I had uh, contact with my ex uh, for, for sporadically initially, but then because when it became clear that the police was coming to the door and things like that, she also started to uh, to be more forthcoming. Um, and, um, and so she said, uh, okay, well, let's see what the solution is, but, um, I want to take care of my son. I don't want him to return to you. Um, <clears throat> and I said, well, I, I do want to return him. I understand that you want to have a relationship with him, but this is not the way. Um, and, uh, she said, okay, well, let's talk about it and let's uh, find a solution. Um, and that was more or less where it got stuck. Because she didn't really want to return him, and um, I didn't have any rights. Um, I was also told by her at one point in time that if uh, I would come to Thailand, you know, I would be arrested and I wouldn't get to see my son anyway. Um, So um, there was no use for me to go to Thailand. And and I had previously um, worked as a consular officer for the Dutch government in in, for the um, uh, embassy in, in. and I've seen people in jail. I've seen the situation there, um, the corruption, things like that, and also people <laughs> really bad people as well but but you know you did, I knew that I wouldn't be able to uh, have extra rights uh, according to this treaty or that I would be okay when I would arrive, and I knew that I would be at this risk of being imprisoned and uh, things like that. So there was no use for me I, 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 uh, to, to do that, to go there and to try to get him back. Um, and there was trouble waiting for me. And that, that was what I was afraid for. It was already uh, quite a, a difficult situation when he was taken away while I was in the U.S. And the U.S. Uh, uh, authorities didn't want to assist really. Um, because I because our I wasn't American and all that kind of stuff and so i you know I needed to leave the country and there i was um not really knowing what to do i I thought i i'd try to um do it the right way by uh trying to be understanding um and trying to um to stay in touch and try to negotiate my way to having better solution than uh than uh, than you Know just them being taken away, um, but that's ultimately time passed
2: again. Uh, sorry to interfere, but according to the blog post that you wrote on your website, you mentioned that you were given unlimited calls to your child and so on. Can you explain that a bit? When did that come into the picture? Yeah,
0: so so um, um at that time, my wife said uh, that uh, I can have all the calls I wanted, um, initially um but uh, uh she wanted to uh, soon after she said, structured um you know weekly phone calls every uh saturday and or it was a monday um so the, the, you know of course i accepted whatever i could get uh, but um it wasn't always uh practically possible there were times that uh, um she was away or not, or not available or i couldn't reach my son and sometimes he was in the care of family members Um, who um, then didn't answer. Um, um, So it was telephone calls went more and more difficult over time. Uh, But there was, you know, instead of every, you know, for me, every day wanting to phone, it was every week. And then every week became two weeks, a month, every month. Um, And over time, as time passed, my my son uh, was, uh, you know, was try- starting to withdraw himself from talking to me. Um, you know, I, I think he, I, I, I don't know if he was influenced or if he was uh, just unhappy um, or that he found it uh, difficult um, uh, to talk to me uh, emotionally. I have no idea, but over time he withdrew and, and uh, the conversations that we had became shorter and you know, less, uh, less of conversation, you know, how are you? I'm fine. Okay. Well, what happened? What did you do? And no, the story wouldn't, you know, wouldn't get really answers. I'm fine. I'm okay. And that was all. Um, so that's, that's, that was really difficult. Uh, when, when time passed, because every time that I had a call, I, I learned less about him and he didn't seem to be interested uh, in in me either. He didn't want to ask questions. Uh, So I, of course, invited him to ask questions about me. And um, I asked questions about what he did that week or that month or, you know, what recently happened. um, uh, If there was anything uh, at school or otherwise, but um, he didn't really share much of time. And uh, that was really, really difficult. Uh, but I
3: persisted.
0: Um, but I have to say that over the years, it, it, you know, I, at the time that this all happened, I, I, you know, I was, I was bordering suicidal. I was traumatized and, and things like that. And and I tried to stay positive whenever I talked to him. And but you know, after hanging up. <laughs> Took so much of an emotional um, drain out of uh, out of me to uh, <clears throat> to have these conversations that didn't really the bond was not really there anymore. Chris,
2: you touched on something that most people do not think too much about. Going through something like this as a parent, it is traumatic and it can induce PTSD, depression, suicidal thoughts, and so on. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, can you explain a bit so that our listeners understand what kind of pain and trauma a parent goes through when they go through things like this, especially what exactly happened during the time that caused that. Well, the the, the
0: I it is the disappointment of the phone calls that disappoint that uh, that uh it costs these the emotions and and the trauma that that and the memory of how he was taken away and things like that,
3: and how he was not there, how I couldn't um, be with him and hold him. Um, So it is still quite emotional. But um, yeah, it was the phone calls. I was looking forward
0: to it every time, but at the same time, it was also difficult and uh, you're trying to be in a phone call. You don't try to put your negative emotions on, on your child. You, you try to be, uh, you know, try to stay positive and and uh, have a good conversation, try to engage and try to be, uh, you know, make make him happy or you know, even telling jokes or whatever. But, but once you finish such a phone call, it is, it's, it's, Took quite quite a lot out of me every time um, because it is uh, uh, it is difficult. Then if you, if your son really doesn't answer much and of course he's far away, um, so it is it is very difficult emotionally. And I had I had periods of uh, you know I didn't recognize it at the time, but uh, at the time, but uh, post traumatic stress syndrome, they say. Um, you know and over in my life i've i've since i've probably kept some of that um and i'm trying at, at it's now many years ago i mean we you know this was uh he was kidnapped around two thousand three etc. so we here now we're talking about two thousand twenty one um and uh i'm trying to change my attitude towards life and to um to put this part of my life away, departmentalize it um, so that I can focus on my normal daily life and happiness, etc. And And um, after a few years, um, um, you know, I, I met somebody else and, we, and I have children again. So they, they are blessing in disguise. They, they make me happy, but sometimes they also remind me um, they, they know about my uh, son, by the way. And um, so, they do ask some questions now and then uh which uh you know are trying to uh create a positive relationship where there is none I mean they have never seen him they've never talked to him but uh, you know they they're still young and they think positively about him because I talk positively about him as well and i am also brutally honest I explain what happened in a child friendly way and um and um and they understand um and they they don't hold it against him that he's not there. Um, so, but it's a weird situation, of course. Um, but yeah, so for me, it is it is even even today, it is emotionally difficult. And how I deal with it is by um, I can't say ignoring it, but by uh, not looking at it all the time. And uh, by so people call it departmentalizing, you put it away in your emotional feeling in your thoughts you don't always think about it you it's there, it's in the background but you focus on other things and you create a positive life that way and i think that's also important because for me one day
3: i, I hope that um, that one day i i get to meet him again and um, yeah so I that one day I can meet him again. you know, that I can then let
0: go of you know, it will be very emotional, but that I can let go of all this, this bad stuff and, and start something new because of course he's now um he's now uh you know twenty three years old. Um and uh by this time I don't know who he is. He doesn't know who I am. Um, you know, he grew up um and uh, he's gone through all these phases of his childhood and become a young man. Um, and I'm not quite sure what kind of person he is.
3: Uh, um, but in the, for me, that doesn't matter. I'll, I'll love him for the
2: rest of my life. But, uh, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> nah, man. Don't ever apologize for feeling sad about the pain that you have gone through. You have done great by just not giving up to suicidal thoughts or the depression. And you are still looking forward and being positive about having a reunification with your son. That is really hard to do as a left behind parent. Just remember that you're not alone in this. We at FMP are all here to support you. Now, with that said, I'm really curious about how he mentioned to you that he doesn't want to talk to you anymore. I believe that you said he was about 10 years old when he said that. I do want to know more as I believe that it might be because of the gaslighting or bad mounting by your ex-wife that made him say that. This is just my assumption when I heard that. So can you explain a bit on that and what exactly happened?
0: Yeah, so so I, I explained how uh, it was difficult to to keep the conversation going and that the conversations that we did have and of course that we did have was very short not really uh there was not much content in it. Um and then by about the age of ten, I'm not quite sure if it was ten, but around that age, um, he he started to become more verbal in the sense that he said that he, you know, didn't really uh, want to talk. Um he he you know, he was polite, he wasn't rude or anything, but he he did say, No, I don't feel like talking now or uh, can we talk another time? And there were excuses. Uh, and so, you know, when we did have uh, a call uh, uh, agreed to and things like that, and I did get to talk to him, he, he sometimes quickly said, um, can we not talk now because I want to do something else? Um, and so there was always uh, excuses. And, and uh, over time, the periods after that became longer. So instead of... Uh, you know, weeks and months. It became it became like three months or six months uh, before we really were able to call again. And then at one point in time, by the time he was teenager, it was not really a call except, um, uh, you know, yearly. Um, I, I I I don't know. I can't I can't say what happened on the background. I can, I, you know, I I I can only imagine that. Um, uh, in a way, he he was a young man, and he didn't see me. He didn't by this time. He didn't really know me other other than you know a voice over the telephone. He might not have really interest in me, but um, there were also ind- small indications where I think you know um, that's maybe there was something to the fact that my wife might told him certain things about me, which gave him an impression negative impression about me or um you know or th- things like that or you know that I didn't really want to talk to him uh, in the previously or something like that um I, I don't know i don't know if there were any any such things where she would have influenced him um i, I do i do not understand though why um you know if if you're a child you do have a father who's trying to contact you why you wouldn't show a little bit more interest by this this age you know by the age of 10, 12, 14 um, etc where you, of course you know you become independent but you don't need your parents but at the same time you also start to think for yourself and so you uh, I would imagine that the child would be uh, at least, little bit interested to know who is this what happened or how are we did we get into this situation so he must have asked one time um i myself i myself came from a um a father and mother who divorced uh, when i was still young and um, i asked these questions when i grew up and my parents were very straightforward with me and they uh, they made sure that uh that um, I was in touch with both of my parents, so it was very different. But I remember myself that I had these questions to my parents: How come you divorced? What happened? And all that kind of stuff. And he never, he never asked me that. So he probably asked his mother. His mother probably told um, told her version of things. Um, and uh, maybe as a consequence, he also didn't feel the need to talk to me anymore. Um, I can only suspect it. I don't know. I, there's nothing really where I say he told me this, and therefore I know that she told him a lie. But that didn't happen. Um, but I, that's what I fear: uh, that that there were things that he was more or less uh, put against me, and uh, in the sense of you know, what? Don't don't worry about your father. He doesn't care about you. Or you know, I, I have no idea. I don't know. But that's that's where we are now. Um, so we are now in a situation where he has not been in touch with me for quite some time. Um, I try to get in touch with him at least every birthday and, and uh, in between as well. There are other things that I'm, now that he's a young man, that I'm trying to point out to him what he needs to be careful for, needs to do, um, and because he's uh, Dutch and Thai and do nationality things. And uh, so I'm a a nationality lawyer and uh, and this is one of the things that I do. So I'm trying to make sure that he takes good care of his stuff, but he doesn't really reply to that either. So I don't know if he takes care of it or if he just doesn't want to, or maybe because I said it, he doesn't want to. Uh, Maybe he me. I have no idea. You know, maybe he feels, uh, how do you say, uh, doesn't really care and he doesn't really think about me but on the other hand maybe this this kind of resentment in him because you know i've never been there for him i I have no idea i don't know what he thinks
3: that is a difficult part of of things as well Um, because i don't know how he feels about me if uh, yeah so that's 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 the situation at the moment um i don't know if you have
2: Um, Any other questions or things that you want to elaborate on? Yep, of course I do. We talked a lot about your relationship or the lack of it when it comes to you and your son. Now, I would like to know more about your ex-wife. It seems that something drastic happened in between the time that she chose to give you full custody and the time that she chose to kidnap your son from you. What do you think happened? I know that I'm asking for your opinion and I understand that it's not based on facts. If your ex-wife or son would like to get on this podcast to explain, I'll be happy to have a conversation with them to understand this better. Now, with that said, what do you think changed with her? So so
0: so at the time that she uh that she took him away, there there was there was a difficult situation. Um and um it is um uh, I I I have an indication that a lot of things were really carefully planned and with the help of somebody else, um, and um, it is something that I I can't prove. To, so I'm not going to go really into it. Um, I have some evidence of emails and things like that, but um, between those the, the two people who organized this, she and somebody else, but. Um, yeah so so what what uh after uh, he was in Thailand we had this discussion on uh what you know what what way forward i wanted to be in his life i want i, I didn't mind that she wanted to be in his life um but I did, of course i didn't want him to be at the other side of the world and and uh and me being away so i was thinking about shall i uh try to move back uh to thailand shall i try to uh be nearby you know i was looking at malaysia or other things and um because you know the the difficulty of of that i i've been looking at different solutions i had of course conversations with her and when we had conversation in the beginning it was like okay how can we organize this uh, and um, so she said, "Okay, well, you can, he uh, can come to uh, to you during uh, uh, during um, uh, holidays and things like that." I mean, <laughs> um, it's funny because you know there, there I was with sole custody. She gave him up initially; she didn't really interest it. And now uh, I was the one who could come for holidays, or he could come visit me for holidays. So, uh, you know, it wasn't great, but. Um, I was willing to consider everything because it was better than the alternative, of course. So uh, we had this conversation, but the moment uh, she uh, she got uh, Thai, uh, the Thai court to uh, give, uh, get custody over him back, more or less, um, uh, that is when uh, she, nothing happened. After that, there were no talks about holidays or visitation rights or anything like that anymore. Um, and that was then also... Um, you know, there, there was, there was, yeah, there, I don't know, I don't know what to say more about it. That was it, really, and there was not much I could do. I couldn't see anything to do about it. I've, you know, I at the time, I have to admit, I was considering to to risk it all and to cross the Malaysian Thai border in, uh, you know, in secret and. Um, smart enough to know where to cross the border. I know enough of Thailand to know what to do um, and to get him back. Uh, but then I had the difficulty of him not having a passport uh, and needing to have a passport to travel um, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really uh, it, it would have cost quite a lot of money to do so. Um, and even though I had legally custody over him, um, it, it you know, in Thailand, it, would, it could get me in huge trouble. But okay, if I would have gotten away with it, then I still had to uh, get paperwork in order and all that kind of stuff. And so ultimately, I, it wasn't really in my nature to do something like that. And so I, I trusted uh, that we would find a solution together. Um, but yeah, like I said, that didn't happen.
2: All right. Chris? Something that caught my eye when I was reading your article on this is that you mentioned that you do understand your wife's actions and you do forgive her. Can you explain that statement a bit more just so that uh, our listeners and, and of course myself can understand why you stated that?
0: Well, look, I when I say I understand her actions, I really don't want to blame her. I don't want to get into a negative relationship with her, even though there is already a negative relationship but I don't want to make it worse. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I understand what, what maybe motivated her, but understanding why something happens me doesn't mean that I agree with it happening. I don't agree with her choices. I don't agree with what uh, she decided to do and, and, uh, how this worked out. And uh, the fact that, uh, um, I ended up with uh, losing my son, really. Um, so, I don't agree with all that, but I do understand where it comes from. And if I, if I, I, you know, all my life I've always looked at other people and said, "Okay, what are they trying to say? What are they trying to do? Where does this come from? What is the motivation?" I try to uh, try to understand why people do certain things, including bad things. And so that is that is what I mean when I understand her actions. She probably. you know, she, she wanted to be a career woman. She uh, she uh, didn't really uh, make the choice to, to join us in the Netherlands. Maybe that was a difficult choice for her. Maybe she didn't really want to be there. She wanted to be in Thailand. So that's fine. She also didn't really ask me to come back uh, in that sense or to be closer by or to do something else. But she made these choices in her life. But maybe she, at one point in time, she started to regret it. And that I can understand. I can understand that she regretted her choices, um, and that she uh, at one point said, "Okay, I do want to be a mother to my son. I do want him to be uh, close in my life, etc." Um, that I can understand, and I don't want to hold that against her. Uh, but then, what what you do then is you find a solution, and you don't you don't do what ultimately happened, and that is uh, taking him away without uh my consent uh, taking him away and not uh, making sure that uh, uh you know the this, this very little contact and uh, not following up on all these promises uh, that were done in, in the beginning etc um th- there's no excuse for that that that's not what you do but i understand where it came from and i don't want to blame her for it but i also say it's wrong and she should uh, she should have done something else Um, I I don't know if if you are if I make myself understood that
2: way yeah I totally get what you're trying to say I love the fact that uh, you're not an angry resentful man but you're somebody who's trying to understand the situation and at, at the end of the day you just want to have a relationship with your son and that's it and that's all you're asking for yeah
0: yeah yeah indeed I mean it is not that's that's exactly what it is it's it's it is for me, it is not about her and me and our relationship and the things that she did do wrong. For me, it that's that's it, it influences things, but it's not important to me. Um so if she wants to do these kind of things with somebody else, <laughs> you know, then that is her choice. But now I, I'm just focusing on, on me and my son. I've always focused on just me and my son. It is for me about my relationship with my son, it's for me about um, uh, my love for him. It is not about um, any uh, issues that we had in the past between uh, my wife and me, why we decided to uh, divorce, uh, because more or less it was, we we didn't really fit together, so it wasn't anything major, I mean, uh, you know, so so... Uh, that's that's not important to me. My, my the important is 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 my son. And as a child, uh, I want the best for my child. And as as and what I want for my child, I I would I would have loved him to have a relationship with his mother uh, from the start and and throughout his life. Um, I that's why I invited her. I invited her to 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 come to the Netherlands. Um, the, the conversation we had because. You know, it wasn't easy for it to do that because as a Thai national, you don't easily get uh, a resident permit in, in the Netherlands, etc. Uh, but I was willing to work with that and to 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 help her to get that. And we could I said we could stay and live in one house with separate rooms and all that kind of stuff, and and then after some time when everything was okay with the resident permit, we could then organize things differently. Um so I've always looked for solutions to 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 look for what's best for my son, and also to not take away this link with with uh, his mother. Um But on the other hand, um, and and look, I, I I'm sure I didn't do it all perfectly all the time. I, I probably you know said things in anger in the past, or did things in anger in the past that uh, that may made, made uh, that. You know, may have may frustrated her. Um, that always happens between, you know, divorcing couple. But nothing like this. Nothing like you know, taking child away from the other parent. Um, I. Uh, that is something that I totally, uh, totally don't understand. Don't don't get. Don't agree with. And um, and and I I I do resent her. For that um, if I look deep inside myself but at the same time it's, I think for myself also it's not important it, I don't want to focus on that I don't want to have an anger between her and me because it only complicates matters if in the future uh, you know it. He's now a young man. He's now 23, but maybe he says, look, um, uh, I'm only going to talk to you if you're going to be nice to my mother. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, you know, I only want to see you uh, at the house of my mother because I don't feel comfortable with you alone. I I, I don't know. The, you know, his mother is part of his life. That will always be the case. And that's for both parents really the case. And, and so, <laughs> Um, yeah, where it comes to my ex, I don't really, like I said, I don't want to blame her. I, don't, I understand uh, where it can come from. I don't agree with it, uh, but I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to focus on my son.
2: All right. I'm glad that we spoke about that. And now let's move on to the next topic I have here. You are one of the very few parents that we have had in this podcast who have a deep understanding of the Hague Convention and how it works. Based on your experience with the Hague Convention, what is your opinion on the Hague Convention as a whole? Well, um, I, I I think the Hague Convention
0: is a, a brilliant piece of law. I mean, it you but it is an international convention. It is an international agreement where you try to get, uh, you know, all the countries in the world to agree to it, and they all have, of course, different uh, different uh local laws different cultural backgrounds and on how to how they look at divorce and things like that and so so it is it's not easy um as an as an international convention but it's brilliant it is it it's it, the principle of it is that um if if a child is taken away from uh another parent and so one parent takes a child away from another parent where they normally live then uh the child needs to be brought back uh and then if the parents have conflict they can sort out that conflict there and then uh with uh, the local law and with the, the you know without taking the child away from the other parents uh by by abduction by kidnapping um and that that is that is brilliant because that means that and then also it says the convention also says to look at the child's best interest so it's not that you know, if you if you decide to kidnap your son, uh, that you uh, never going to see him again because you did something that's illegal. No, it's not about that. It's about what is best for the child. Um, but that needs to be looked at from where the child is resident, uh, normally resident. So where he's normally living. Where if he's, you know, if you have two parents who are still living together, and one parent decide to leave secretly the next day out of the back door with the child um then the child needs to be brought back to 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 the country uh to that area for the law then to look at what's happening why did the child the, the one parent decide to do that is there maybe uh, a case of abuse abuse against uh, the parent or the child etc and then obviously um if that's the case then uh if you have a good law that is then uh, you know they will look at that and decide what's best for the child and and, uh, and what's fair and etc. So for for a system of law, I think it is a brilliant piece of of, uh, of international treaty and, and it should be used everywhere. Now what happened with with me is that um, you know I I was half aware of uh the hague convention uh at the, uh, for, against uh, child abduction uh at that time um in the nineties i i was really i was really not really very well informed about it until i got to deal with it because of my own son's uh, uh kidnapping mm-hmm. um and so looking at that uh the problem was that you know we have these countries that agree with it but then uh, sometimes they just sign the convention and they don't do much anything else. Um, so when it came to Thailand, they they had already signed the convention, but like I said, they couldn't do anything because the local laws didn't allow for the child to be taken then out of Thailand back to uh, the Netherlands to me um, and and uh, to look in uh, in in the Dutch court at what the situation was and what's best for the. Uh, for For the child they they didn 't have this in local law, so we have an international convention that is signed, but the government didn't uh, didn 't use this convention to put it into local law and that 's necessary because without local law uh, being adjusted um, the the judge can 't approve for the child to be taken away the police won 't be instructed to take a child and to be returned uh, to another country. And that was my situation. So the Thai Ministry of Justice says, sorry, we did sign this convention, but we haven't put it into local law yet, and therefore um, all the best, and we wash our hands. Good luck. And that's really difficult if you're in my situation. Um, And so, yeah, it? it took them, I think I calculated later because it, um, I looked it up and it took them 30 years. Yeah. So something like that, I think. And it wasn't that 30 years. Um, yeah, it was about 30 years before Thailand, between Thailand signing this and actually implementing it into, into, uh, local law. So for 30 years, they did say that they agreed to this treaty, but then at the end, um, uh, they didn't really do anything with it during those 30 years. And all those people in my situation wouldn't have had any help from, uh, from the Thai government to, uh, to take care of the child, really. Um, and that is frustrating. And recently, I was looking at, um, um, at uh, somebody who was going through a similar situation now in Japan, uh, where Japan has also signed this convention, but also hasn't really adjusted the local law to deal with it. And that's the problem. Um, the local law will not deal with it. Will not try to look at it. And they have a total different cultural aspect to looking at divorces, etc., which really doesn't marry up with the convention. Um, in, in Japan, they uh, they look at um, you know a child should always be with after a divorce with one parent, and it's more or less uh, you know who comes serves uh, gets uh, served uh, first. Um, who comes first gets served first. That's that's really what's happening in Japan. If you quickly enough to take your child away and hide somewhere, then uh, the, the, the the Japanese law will more or less leave you alone and you you you're fine. But that leaves the other parent then of course in limbo. And and um, if you then have parents who uh, don't allow access, because of course the other parent could do the same. They could take the child again and and (laughs) go live somewhere um you know so it is it's a terrible situation in japan at the moment luckily thailand is now after 30 years is now hopefully a bit sort of resolved but in japan you still have this happening and uh, that that that's created all these memories for me and that's why i decided to uh,
3: to yeah get in touch and come forward with my story because it's so similar to what happened to me many years ago in
2: Thailand. Now, what is your advice when it comes to Japan? What can the Japanese government do to reduce uh, the international abductions that are rampant when it comes to Japan?
0: Yeah, Uh, I I think in, in Japan, of course, they need to look at the convention and they need to start looking at how this convention can be implemented into local law. Uh, so that local law matches the convention. That's more or less what needs to happen. And um, and Japan is maybe changing, uh, but still still very, um, well, let's put it all, they're still very old-fashioned. They're very, they have a very cultural background to law and how to look at these kind of situations when it comes to divorce. So that needs to change. So um, at the moment, for instance, in Japan, they don't, after a divorce, they don't allow a shared custody. Um, so, you know, if you as two parents agree that you have a shared custody, that you both take care of the child, even though you're not no longer married together, um, that, that is not possible in, in, in Japan. You can only have a uh, single, uh, single person having custody. And that could change. And uh, that's a huge, uh, that changes a, a lot of things into into all aspects. But it, it's that it links also with how Japan takes care of its administration of its citizens, you know, the civil registry of um, uh, of things, et cetera. So there's a, it comes with a lot of things that needs to be looked at. Um, but yeah, making shared custody of, uh, available uh, after divorce, that is one thing that Japan can do um The other thing is um uh, improving their visitation rights um you see that in, in court decisions if if it goes to court in japan that um uh, so if it if it if it goes to court because that's also the question does it go to court and uh, not always does uh, does it go to court but if it does go to court then the 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 decisions are often favored to the person who already has the child. Right, remember first come, first served. Um, so that person then more or less uh, gets uh, full control. And sometimes there are visitation rights given to the other parent, but they are very, uh, very few and very far between. For instance, you get to see your child only once a month, maybe for a weekend or something like that. Um, while if you have uh, uh if you want to have a child being brought up by two parents uh, and having access to both parents, you know, yes, there's maybe one parent it lives with, so maybe that parent should have more, something like 60% of the access to the child, and the other parent should have 40% of the access. And it's something that parents may need to agree to, but if they can't agree to it, then, you know, a judge should then uh, say, look, we're going to give him. Or her forty percent or thirty percent of access, and not just you know the token once a month uh, having to come an hour with the child. That that doesn't really work for the children either. It's not good for the children to see the parents so so little. Um, And you get the same kind of situation as what happened with my son. You know, Um, if you don't see your son every or your child every so often, then uh, you know they start to. Uh, say, well, you know, there's no, we don't have a chance to get a relationship or, you know, especially when they're really young, then that, you know, they grow up and then they say, well, you know, they, I have no benefit of seeing that person, that parent of mine every month once, that doesn't work. So uh, getting better visitation rights is something that Japan can do. Um, but that that needs a cultural change in in how decisions are made in court, so that's that's not easy. Um, also, in Japan, if somebody then is divorced and has sole custody of the child, if they remarry with somebody else, or, uh, then it is very easy for that uh, that that new partner to adopt uh, the child. So suddenly, you know, it's not longer. No, not. not Only that you have uh, that the parent has sole custody and that the other parent doesn't have anything uh, in custody legally, um, you can have it very easy to have an adoption by somebody else. And the, the other parents might not really want that because the other parent might still feel like a parent and want to act like a parent and take care of the child as much as they want to. So somebody else coming in and adopting your child together as a new partner is something that they should look at as well. And um, they should look at the the, the wishes of, the, of course, also the child, but also about the uh, biological parents, uh, both biological parents. And then you have the uh, the fact, like I said earlier, that um, if you're divorced, um, the child can be in one household registration. Um, and that's In Japan, it's called the Koseki. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's, Pronounce it correctly, but uh, that's, uh, that's in Japan, uh, sort of uh, um, uh, a household registration book uh, kind of record that the government maintains. But a child can only be registered in one household, and that links
3: then to that sole custody. So, um, if a child is resident somewhere, it shouldn't mean that the child is
0: then only. Uh, under the custody of that person that need, that link needs to be broken um, so uh, the a child should be able to also to maybe live at two houses if they want to you know part time here part time there and that's again the shared custody um, so in order to make all these changes um, because of the cultural aspect of Japan and how uh, Japan needs law looks at divorce and how society looks at divorce. You need to have uh, cultural and legal training. So the courts, the police, and anybody involved with uh, with uh, taking care of the children and a divorce need to get a little bit of a new approach, new cultural view on things, and modernization really. Um, and it's not about um, you know foreigners putting their culture on to Japan because uh, as we see, there are so many Japanese parents who are in exactly the same problem situations, and they have the same feelings, they have the same uh, legal problems. It's not uh, just about foreigners having this, this this problem when it comes to divorce. It's about everybody in Japan having this problem, and therefore, um, you know it's it Japan
3: needs to be modernized in this aspect um, um and also um you know. <laughs> if then children are taken
0: away by one parent or the other um yeah the police needs to be involved and the courts need to be involved if when it's, it's 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 abduction it's it's not an abduction of you know like uh, <laughs> uh you know North Korea coming to uh, to abduct Japanese citizens or you know uh, slavery in Africa and things like that it's not that kind of abduction it is about a parent who Hopefully, loves the child, um, you know, taking the child away without permission of the other parent. So, it is a different type of abduction. And that needs to be recognized in Japan as well. Um, because at the moment, uh, sometimes when police authorities are involved, um, uh, especially when it comes to foreigners, they then see, okay, this is a child who is also Japanese. And so, we're not going to look at any other nationality that they might have. It is a Japanese child. And it's now taken away by a foreigner, and might be a, even put on an airplane and taken away out of the country. And we don't want that. We need to take care of our children. Therefore, we're going to regard this as a criminal abduction, uh, and it shouldn't be seen as such. Um, it should be seen as a difficult conflict, um, you know. And if there is an abduction where there's criminality involved, if you know people are being violent or. You know, if there is, uh, if they are violent towards children, etc., of course the police need to be involved. They should take care of, uh, you know, they should prosecute and things like that. But not every abduction uh, or a parent taking a child away is always uh, full negative, um, as in other cases. So the police need to be very aware of that. And they, at the moment, I think they have a very black and white law, um, taking the child away without permission of the other parent, they see it as abduction and uh, within Japan, they then uh, have a difficult situation. Who are they going to return the child to? Um, So it's normally then they say, well, the child was there, that is the person complaining, Uh, so we're going to bring it back to that uh, person. But then they often ignore the other way around, because maybe that person already took the child away. Remember first come first serve, The, the other person might have taken the child away as well. And they then don't look at it because uh, sometimes because it's uh, uh, a man who takes the child away and the woman would would not be seen as um, having sufficient means or the man has a good job and things like that. So suddenly the police are starting to make a decision that the court should make and saying, well, oh, this is best for the child to be with that person. So we'll, we'll leave it with that person. They shouldn't think like that. They should be objective and and look at what really is best for the child. Um, and of course, with foreigners, the moment foreigner is trying to take a child back, uh, then it becomes a problem because uh, they don't they don't look at what's best for the child. They just see uh, a foreigner taking a child, and that sh- then those 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 foreign parents get into trouble as well. So it's, it's a difficult situation, and there needs to be more objectivity and, and understanding in the whole uh, aspect of production from a policing and, and court situation. Um, then the other thing that in Japan can improve is that um, they need to give courts more power. Um, at the moment, uh, um, if if a court makes a decision, and the parent just ignores it and, and goes to live somewhere else um I understand that that the court can't um can't enforce a verdict and that they can't say, I can't tell the police hey, go get that child and do this or that um so <laughs> that's a little bit of a strange situation that uh, if if the court doesn't ha judges don't have the the power to sanction or imprison somebody because they they're doing something that's wrong um uh, where it comes to these kind of divorce situations that's that's that 's not good either, so courts need to be empowered, but of course they need to be objective and, and looking at what 's best of interest for the child um, <clears throat> when it comes to foreigners um I think uh, everybody knows that in Japan foreigners have uh, have always been uh not looked as as um, uh, as equal as to Japanese citizens um we can argue the same in many other countries. A right? you know, foreigner is a foreigner. It's not the same as somebody who's national. But I think that um, Japan could open up much more uh, to foreigners and to recognize more that they have equality in law when they are really resident, uh, not just visiting, but they're resident, they have equality in law. Um, and um, also they should have the possibility to maybe become Japanese more easily um especially when their children and families uh, is involved if somebody is really settled in Japan as a a, a Japanese child then maybe he or she should be a, able to become Japanese in a more in, in an easier way than what's possible now so quick access to citizenship that, that
3: uh, you know for spouses parents uh, Japanese uh, of Japanese nationals that would really be good um and then
0: also, like I said, foreigners uh, not not always being seen as equal. Uh, they should have equality in law, so that also means equality in in health and welfare and other things and, and everything that has to do with you know life in Japan. Um, so and these aspects then can have an influence on how they can take care of their children. Because, for instance, if a foreign parent and a Japanese parent divorce. Uh, a Japanese uh, court may decide and say, right, Uh, you know, we're going to be very modern. You're each going to have 50-50 shared custody. Suddenly it's possible. (laughs) Maybe something changed meanwhile in the law. But if they would do that, um, then of course, where is the child going to live? Where is one parent going to live? They need to live near each other. So, you know, foreigners, need if they want to stay there, they have family there, or even a divorced spouse and children, they should be able to continue their life uh, nearby, um, and yeah, that that's really uh, the things that Japan can do um, to improve. But the most important thing is to look at how culturally in-law uh, divorce is looked at, and how to change that to modernize it um, for the benefit of everybody in Japan, not just foreigners.
2: That is an excellent answer. Now, Chris. You have the legal background and the means to handle such a situation when it comes to understanding the Hague Convention and understanding what you can and cannot do legally. But many might not have such luxuries. So if someone is in a position today, especially someone from Netherlands or Europe as a whole, what should they do? What are the steps they can take in their fight to be there in their child's life? What do you suggest and what kind of advices that you have for them?
0: Yeah, I think if if your child is being taken away, um, and and you know where the child is, or you have an idea where the child could be, uh, or or <laughs> at least in which country uh, the child is, then you 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 just need to go as soon as possible to the to the nearest police um, and explain what happened, explain your situation um refer to uh, the hague convention uh, uh you know and uh, to avoid uh, uh abduction of children um explain to the authorities because a lot of police authorities and courts et cetera don't always know fully about this convention and they or you know are they not looking at it on a daily basis um so if your child is taken. Cross border, or even if you're in another country, um, you know, go go explain that you know if a, a country has signed this convention, then there's certain aspects that need to be looked at, and you could expect that your child could be returned to you. Now, of course, if you are uh, an abusing parent, don't expect too much. <laughs> but if you are a parent who doesn't abuse, but you have been of abusing the child because it happens, right? False accusations are made all the time in order to for the child to be uh, taken away and, and things like that. You, you just need to get as much evidence as possible. Go to the police, explain it, ask who organizes it in that country. Um, Is the Ministry of Justice a department that looks at these kind of cases? Um, what can the police do? Can if the police doesn't know, can they check with the superiors? Uh, stay reasonable, stay friendly, show your emotions, whatever you want, uh, without getting angry at anybody yeah. else than the situation, and maybe the other parents, you know. But also even that, don't become violent. Um, try to p- keep pushing. Try to keep reminding people: uh, don't be sent away so quickly. Uh, Make sure that action is taken. The many police forces are around the world who say, right, let's write down a report. Well, you don't need a report, okay? Uh, you need somebody to take action. And that is that is the thing that, that needs to happen. You need to keep pushing until somebody says, sir, ma'am, this is what we're going to do for you. This is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to get your child back, or we're going to have... Uh, you know, children's welfare inform, uh, involved, or we're going to have uh, the Ministry of Justice involved, whatever department is part of it. Um, we're going to go to court, or you can go to court. This is what you can do, but uh, it needs to happen quick because you don't want time to go over this. You don't want to have a situation where, say, right, you can file a petition with the court, and it takes six months, or three months, or a year, or whatever. You don't want that. You have a right as a parent to be with your child um, unless you don't have the custody, okay? Um, But if you have custody of a child, shared custody or sole custody, you have a right to be in the child's life, okay? And even if you don't have custody, then you still can claim uh, a right, and then indeed you might need to go to court first. But the most important thing is if your child is taken away, don't give up uh, stay stay friendly to the authorities try to get them to understand you look for sympathy because people are people and, and and people will feel for you if you if you show that how how this impacts you you know even if you don't feel like it at the time you know you know show that you're sad that you're frustrated um, uh, and and just keep pushing and and Every country has its own way of dealing with it. So there's no, um, I don't know exactly who you can call with uh, every country, but the first port of call is the police. And um, the local police will then have to, if it's international, have to refer to Interpol. They can do that. They can involve Interpol they can say, okay, we're going to call Interpol for you. Um, if they're lazy, they might say, here's the number, you call Interpol um but um you know just keep after it don't give up and demand that your t- child is returned to you uh unharmed as quick as possible um explain that you are happy to go to welfare to go to court to show that you're a good parent um never uh indicate your frustration too much with the other parent except for the fact that they took the child away so don't start call, calling them bad names and things like that, or becoming verbally aggressive too much. Um, you can show your frustration and anger, but not not over the top where they start thinking that you might be a danger to somebody else. Um, and and just keep after it. It is a difficult situation. If you're lucky, then the country, the country where you are will have this implemented in local law that the country where the child is will also have this implemented in local law and then uh within um a couple of weeks maybe you would see your child back um so it can, and some, sometimes it can be quicker um i've heard about a case between uh the uk and italy i believe and the children were back uh, within a week um but then it goes to if the if the other parent then you know wants to put a claim in it goes to court and then it needs to be decided there. But meanwhile, the child will continue to live in a normal situation as much as possible with where it was living before. And that's that's the other aspect. The parents need to know that where the child is normally living, that is where the child needs to be returned to. So if children are in a third country on a holiday and then taken away then, um, yes, you go to the police there as well, but you also need to contact your and authorities at the country where you're normally resident, not just a holiday country or wherever you are. You need to go to the country where you are normally uh, resident because that is where the child is normally resident and that's where the child, according to the convention, should be returned to. Um, and then, of course, you have situations where country—you uh, know the country where you live might be part of that convention, but the country where the child is taken to might not be and then it becomes more difficult. Then you need to get, you know, the ministry of foreign, your ministry of foreign affairs involved to contact the authorities in the other country and ask that the child is returned, etc. And then it becomes much more difficult because, like I said, all these countries have different views on things and different local laws,
3: um, and so it, it it might become difficult. But over time, and this is my mistake. Maybe
0: um, maybe I was hoping that things would work out, maybe um, too much. Um, So over time, um, do not accept the situation. Do not say, okay, I'll sign the document. Okay, I'll allow the child to be there. Um, you, You can say, look, I want what's best for the child, but
3: I want it to be brought back first. That is what your 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 um, that's what your claim needs to stay.
0: Um, don't ever s- start to give up. Uh, the other parents might want to try to convince you to s- to sign documents uh, for certain things, um, especially if it's not in a language that you understand. Don't sign anything you don't understand. But also, if legal language in the same language can sometimes be difficult. Um, so don't just sign things. Um, just just make sure you stick to your claim that your child should be with you and that you want what's best for your child. Um, that's that's I don't know. There's no practical um advice that I can give to anybody in the sense of who should you go see first in which country, etc. Because there's so many different countries and situations that I I can't even advise that. And it's also not Family law is also not really my background, um, so um, I have these experiences but um, it's it's different in every country and it's a difficult situation don't give up and don't give up hope and always always stay positive towards your child. explain them that you don't like what's happening uh, but don't panic uh, in front of them um, too much um, because it might scare them don't uh, don't uh, don't emotionally uh, break down in front of them too much. You know, it's okay to show your emotions, but don't 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 let yourself go too much because it's important that your child sees that you love them, that you find it difficult, but also that you're trying to do something about it. And that you <laughs> and you know, when we sometimes um, feel very emotional, I've seen people become so emotional that um, uh, they 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 just look like they're going nuts and they literally might <laughs> even be going nuts uh, temporarily hopefully but um, it is not good for the child to see that of course so if uh, you know video call telephone that's not good uh, because it gives then the impression uh, that the, you know they could be misinterpreted by the child and especially if the other parent then whispers certain things in, in, the, in, in their ears saying maybe you see your you know your father or mother is like this, and your know country really take good care of it. A child starts believing that as well, so stay positive as much as possible, show your emotions if you need to but um and and believe in yourself also, and don't let anybody tell you that you're a bad parent unless
3: you know for yourself that you are because there are unfortunately bad parents out there um yeah, so believing yourself. Don't give up, and that's that's very important. Don't give up forever i yeah. I have you know you i I just explained earlier
0: um how important it is for me to look at somebody else and try try to understand where they're coming from, try to understand what their motives are, etc. cetera um, You also have to look at the child. How is a child gonna to grow up um and understand why. Their parents might have done something to themselves um, in the future, right? So, um, so people who lose faith—they uh, do some. You know, I told you, I I've been borderline suicidal myself. Um, I I can't, I couldn't, um, because uh, why? Because I I have my son, I have my child, uh, and parents shouldn't shouldn't. Uh, get so down and so stressed and so negative that they do something to themselves or think about harming themselves, etc. Um, a child will never understand that in the future. If Even if your child doesn't see you, like my son is now 23, hasn't seen me uh, for almost 10 years, you know. Um, if, even if that happens, uh, you know, that's, uh, imagine that I did something to myself how would he feel in the future? It might give him uh, emotional problems. It might put his path in life in, uh, in a different course. He might start to drink or do drugs or whatever and, and and do things wrong because of the emotional baggage that comes with all these traumas that, that we have. He, he might not have known me, but if he finds out that something happened because of this situation, this divorce, um, he might, uh, my son might start blaming himself maybe, you know, why haven't I been in touch with my father and things like that. So it is never good to uh, lose hope. Um, stay, stay hopeful or however long it takes. Um, if I'm 80 and this is still the same, same situation, if I'm 90 or whatever, um, I'm going to stay hoping that, uh, you know, I'm going to see my, <laughs> I don't know, my 60 or 70-year-old son by then. <laughs> it's a ridiculous uh, thought, but um, yeah, I I I think it's important. People shouldn't lose hope. Um, it, is, it is important that you are there for your child, if not now here, directly next to you, that you're there for your child in the future. Um and you saw that I saw that little video clip uh, um where this um uh, this Japanese half Japanese girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she she there was a, a Japanese girl there who uh, who told her story and um she was telling that uh, her mother always told that the father didn't care and things like that and when she was, I think, about twenty or something, she started to get interested, and she found out that he did, and that, you know, there was, it wasn't the whole story, et cetera. And that they now have a reasonable, good relationship, et cetera. You know, that is great. But imagine that uh, she found out that, you know, something worse would have happened to that parent. Um, it it gives emotional scars to children. Um, I know of um, of a divorce, of a family. In the, in the netherlands the, who uh, uh the father was uh, italian um and i can't say too much because it's confidential but more or less uh the the, the father um at one point in time was was taken into care uh, because of his mental problems and um and uh, he committed at one point suicide and it has scarred the children who are now in their 50s but at that time they were young like under less than ten years old, and it has scarred them so much so that uh, they still still think about talk about it with difficulty um and um and they none of them uh, have uh, children of themselves um and it shows it, sh- it shows how uh, these kind of things can have huge impact on children and also um uh, if, just a separation, it has an impact on children, a forced separation, right? So if both parents try to uh, be friendly to each other and uh, have a divorce and take care of the children and uh, allow access to the children for each other, those children will have some impact on their life, but they have they are much better off, they are healthier, Um, They can see that problems can be overcome and they will grow up healthy uh, young people. Um, But if we go to these extreme situations where we're talking about kidnapping and things like that, it it always comes back to the child as well. It's not just about the other parent getting hurt. It is also about the children who... uh, who grow up and um, and getting emotional problems later. Sometimes they don't realize it. Sometimes it happens when they're you know 30 or 40 years old and they start to investigate what happened then, and it has an impact at that time. So while you know if if you are parenting, you're thinking about taking your child away, think again because it might not immediately have an impact on your child. It will have an impact sooner or later. I think. Um, at least when things come out
3: maybe not maybe not always uh, it's not the right thing to do is it
2: uh, anyway what else do you have any messages to our listeners or anything on your service that you provide or how are you helping these people anything they can reach out to you about um <clears throat> i i think that um um i um
0: i started to work Uh, In my field of uh, uh, Dutch nationality, uh, also other nationalities, by the way, as as a lawyer for Dutch nationality, because I started to realize at one point in time that my son uh, will lose his Dutch nationality at the age of 28 um, if he doesn't do anything uh, to want to stay Dutch. Um, I've... Send messages. I haven't heard back from him. I don't know if he does anything about it. Um, but it is a very old-fashioned Dutch law, um, and um, I'm helping other people to avoid problems. Uh, people who lose their nationality, Dutch nationality, and I, I help them to get it back. But my motivation is 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 to help others. But but I I came to the conclusion that you know there's more to it uh, for me. Um, I'm doing this work because uh, I'm also very vocal. Uh, uh, You know, I try to get politicians to listen to the opinions that uh, me and others have on Dutch nationality law, try to change it, modernize it, so that people don't just lose their nationality uh, at the age of 28 in this case. Uh, uh, You know, it's about dual nationality. Um, Some countries allow it, some countries don't. Uh, Some countries allow it by exception, like the Netherlands and then there are terms and conditions to it. Um, so that's that's where I'm trying to help people, but my motivation came out, probably out of my son because my son is dual national. Um, and um, I think it's so important that um, he keeps his Dutch nationality because um, A, uh, uh, practical stuff, um, it allows him to go in the future to travel more easily abroad, a Dutch passport is much easier than a Thai passport. Um, he can even go uh, live and work in any European country at the moment uh, with the e- uh, European Union. Uh, that's great. Um, it allows him to go to the Netherlands, and discover where he came from, even if he wants to see me or not. Um, you know, it's um, it's part of his his uh, his family's background, um, and I want to make sure that he keeps that. So that's that's why I'm doing this work. Um, that's why I'm so very focal towards politics to try to get the laws to change. That's why I'm trying to help other people as well. Um, and I think, um, yeah, parents who are having children who have dual nationality um, should consider these things. They should always remember that um, dual nationality is often possible for children, uh, if more and more so uh, after the after second world war a lot of countries changed their laws um, and so most countries now allow dual nationality especially for children there might be a moment that they have to choose or like in the Netherlands that they automatically lose the Dutch nationality um, there's so many aspects to it it can be complicated so I, I would advise people that they uh, that they make sure that they know what they're doing uh, and that they also understand it's not just one nationality law, because it's you know the mother, uh, but also the nationality law of the father. Um, so um, so they need to look at how that works together and be careful. And if people need help, I'm always uh, happy to to give some general advice to give them in the right direction. Uh, I'm not doing this just commercially. I do, but. Um, if people need advice, I'm, I'm happy to help them and give them a quick pointer in the right direction. And if they can do it themselves, great. It's fine. No problem.
2: Thank you, Chris, for spending time with us. I wish you all the best and hope that your son listens to these podcasts and reaches out to you. That will be awesome. Now, I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you're not alone in this. With that said, if you need specific legal advice, please get your own independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor or if you happen to have a difficulty in understanding certain parts of this episode, please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarifications. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone. And if you have further questions or comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview or this podcast, you can email me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you're someone who got separated from your own parent, And would like to find your parent again, please go to www.findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you're part of an NGO or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page in findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Speak to you next week. Take care till then.
0: Be just like me, you're a double.